Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 40. Here it is. This is Part 2 of our conversation with Dr. Kevin Boyd in honor of SIDS Awareness Month. In Part 1, we talked about SIDS and how Royal Chins, anthropology, and the work of pioneers like Dr. Christian Guimanol and Dr. David Gazal have furthered our understanding of what we used to call crib death or cot death. You can check that out in episode 38. Today, in part two, we take a deeper dive we get into what our evolved understanding tells us about what we can do proactively to keep our babies safe. And let me say this right now. Dr. Kev, as his young patients call him, is a pediatric airway-aware dentist. So get ready for some cutting-edge strategies to keep our babies healthy. And my goal is to get these cutting-edge strategies into the hands of all young couples and parents. So please, help me with that goal. How can you do that? Share this episode far and wide with anyone who is having a baby or who plans to have a baby. Okay, let's listen in to part two of our conversation with Dr. Kevin Boyd. So Kevin, you are a leading uh, pediatric dentist in this field. So tell us, what do you do to help kids? Um, And can we get into a little bit of the timing for orthodontic work as well? I'm a pediatric dentist who really only does orthodontics. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've been pretty much the majority of what I've done for over three decades of practice because of where I trained the University of Iowa. They they had us be very proactive. Uh, And, you know, back in the late 80s when when I was, you know, at Iowa, treating early meant you were doing it before nine years old. You know, the orthodontists mm-hmm. really weren't seeing them until 12. And um, 
but now, you know, like a seven-year-old is a geriatric patient here. Yes. Yeah. Tell why. Can you, can you, and can you also talk for a minute about like, if you, you know, in, in the idea of, of teeth being um, the, the primary teeth, the baby teeth touching each other, why that then becomes, you know, is a, is a sign that a child is going to have an issue that has a challenge and will have greater challenges. I, I don't know what you meant by that. What do you mean touching each other? Oh, so, you know, they say like the baby teeth are supposed to have spaces. Oh, spaces in between. Say a five-year-old has a beautiful smile with all the teeth aligned and, and next to each other, no gaps. Yeah. We yeah. think of that as attractive. Yes, because it, and it may look attractive. Yeah, like a little picket fence. Yes, but, no, but, it, but it's really. Yeah, you know, yeah it's not. It, it, again, it, it, it is a proxy for lack of tongue space. You know, if a child's tongue is resting upward and forward and, and really only uh, in, the, in the floor of the mouth when you're eating, that's the only time. When you mouth breathe and eat, that's when your tongue will live downstairs. Well, you know, uh, it lives upstairs when you're breathing through your nose or forming consonants. Well, yeah. I learned that from, you know, speech and swallowing people that, you know, the tongue should be touching the spot, you know, behind the front teeth on the gum when they're forming consonants and when they're eating and or when they're sleeping, when they're breathing and, you know, while they're awake and asleep through their nose and the tongue should only go downstairs when you're eating. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is borne out by the anthropology, you know, work that I've been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, our our hunter-gatherer ancestors would chew, you know, half of their waking existence. So mm -hmm. that means that the tongue spent equal time in the lower and upper jaw. And that explains why, you know, until about 300 years ago, everybody's upper and lower jaws were perfect. I mean, very seldom, except in royalty and nobility, did you ever see malocclusion. So but, what's what's the, the key there, though, with the royalty um, and ha having malocclusion, then? Is it because they had different diets? Because they had here's more? A, here's the, the leading explanation from, yeah. you know, the, the discipline of anthropology is that most nobility and, and certainly royalty um, were dominated by white men, okay? The kings were usually white guys and divine right of kings. And what did kings want as successors? Male heirs, mm. all right? And their queen or princess, um, if she was breastfeeding, you know, like an ancestor on demand, you, it was very difficult for her to get pregnant again. That's called lactation amenorrhea, Okay, which yeah. really doesn't happen much anymore, except in certain hunter-gatherer, you know, tribes that are still, you know, living traditionally. But um, if, if a woman, the queen, the princess, whatever, was breastfeeding on demand, which is what our ancestors did until the kid was three or four years old, well, she couldn't get pregnant again until she was three or four. Well, you know what? The king wanted her to pump out lots of male heirs. So, mm -hmm. you know, let's let a woman in the village breastfeed called wet nurse, right? Yes, yes. Does not have the same biological commitment to a child as, you know, the natural mother would. Right. And, and let's, let's deem breastfeeding as being really primitive for savages of the proletariat. And most kings felt that way about their, you know, their peasant subjects. They weren't really, you know, fully human. Yeah. Uh, so, that's, you know, that's a, an informed hypothesis. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. to prove yeah. that one, but uh, 
So it, it works for me anyway. Yeah, it's very, uh, very compelling to me too. Yeah, because it is, yeah. it, you know, from, from just even the development of all the muscles, right? Uh, the use of the tongue during nursing, it's a, it, there's the oral motor uh, muscles are so engaged. And so mm -hmm. if, um, if a baby isn't able to nurse on demand with a committed uh, person as committed as the mother, you know, the natural mother, you could see differences right from the get-go. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, well, something to think about. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at Hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R Sleep.com. Then let's bring it back to um, what we started talking about, about SIDS and everything. So how do we, what, what, what can we start to do if we know this, we see that there's so much, you know, telling us that, hey, this may really be impacting kids, certainly to not grow to be as healthy as they could be. And it may even be implicated in SIDS for some of the kids. What mm -hmm. can we start to do? What are some real concrete takeaways for parents or professionals who aren't really airway aware yet for them to start to say, wow, well, maybe I should do these things to, to become uh, more proactive in, in terms of helping in this way? A critical component of my postgrad training in pediatric dentistry at the University of Iowa uh, in the mid-late 80s um, was prenatal counseling is that we as residents not only had to do so many amalgam fillings and so many root canals, pulpotomies and spend hundreds of hours in the operating room and doing anesthesia. I mean, it, it, was, it was a full pediatric medical training we had to do. We had to do our own histories of physicals and uh, history taking and all that. But Dr. Art Nowak, um, he's retired emeritus professor, um, former president of the Academy of Pediatric Dentistry and the American Board of Pediatric Dentistry. And he just felt, you can't call yourself a pediatric dentist if you don't know how to prepare new parents for what to expect in terms, and this is before airway was part of the conversation, but really strictly from um, preventing cavities and, and gum disease and helping the child, you know, grow normally in the face, jaws, teeth. And, and we know that means that implies the airway now, but we didn't know it then. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, people say like, well, Kev, I, I mean, so what if you see a retronathic mandible, a jaw that's too far back at 20 weeks gestation? What are you going to go into the womb like like certain cardiologists uh, can go in and repair a heart defect before the kid's born? Did you know that? I mean, my God, it happened right here near Milwaukee. Uh, I actually know the radiologist that guided that surgery. He was on the yeah. cover of Time magazine. Yeah, but it's amazing. No, you you can't get in there and physically intervene, but you can intervene via a modality called epigenetics, environment 
in genes. So what can you do if, it, if you perceive that a child's, say, palate is too narrow, chin is too far back? You know what? What you, what you can do is assure that uh, by prenatal counseling, if you've got a, a pregnant female or a pre-pregnant, someone who's thinking of getting pregnant or maybe not intending to, but uh, I think all, pre, I, you know, I have two daughters and we were talking to, to my kids about this when they were very young, before they really understood about sex and things like that, that, you know what, um, if you're, when, when you become pregnant and, you know, of course we're thinking after you're with somebody responsibly and uh, committed, um, that you need to take care of yourself um, and your husband needs to take care of himself before you conceive. But, and that isn't just by taking vitamin, you know, B or, you know, folic acid or doing pregnancy yoga. Yeah, you know, that's good. That's important. Mm -hmm. we, we always see wellness as a, a linear continuum of, you know, exercise, physical activity and diet, nutrition. Yep, and this, right? No, it's a triangle. And that is at the top is sleep and airway yeah. is that a mom who does not deliver adequate oxygen, either by virtue of the fact that she's smoking smaller mm -hmm. babies. That's an experiment that was done inadvertently. All right. Or if she's snoring, um, if, if women don't breathe optimally through their nose during pregnancy, they can really harm that fetus in terms of, you know, delivery if they, because who has priority over nutrients? Well, the fetus does. If it's vitamins and things like that, because a mom will not die if she doesn't right. deliver enough vitamin A to the baby. But guess what? There's one substrate that mom has priority for. Why does the flight attendant tell you to put the mask on yourself before you help a kid? So if a mom dies, the kid's going to die automatically. So yeah. nature has figured out a way that a, that a fetus can grow in very low oxygen. In fact, the oxygen that is delivered to a fetus during gestation is actually the same PO2 as it is a mile above Mount Everest. It's very thin in there already. Really? Yes, there's a, there's a good paper. It's called um, Mount Everest in Utero. And they actually, oh. you know, a hundred years ago, they did this experiment. Oh but the gosh. baby thrives in low O2. The fetus does, but they don't have much leeway. If yeah. a mom starts snoring or smoking, or not you know, breathing optimally through her nose during, during sleep, during pregnancy. And they call it uh, gestational apnea. Just yeah. Google it. And, and yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kevin, because I've even heard that um, even if you are a healthy breather and a healthy sleeper, you, you may have a heightened risk of gestational sleep apnea because of two things. One, the weight gain right? So that weight we know can impact the airway. Um, but secondly, also because of the hormones like progesterone and everything, it increases the laxity of the muscles. So yeah, that even, right, even if you, yeah. even if you have a strong airway, you yeah. can get that airway collapsing like more and, and have that disrupt disrupted flow of oxygen, which as you're saying, is no, I've never even thought of that. The, the, the pharyngeal dilators that their muscles that, you know, when you go to sleep and you know, everything is paralyzed, you know, muscularly, but these dilators, they need to have integrity uh, to keep the airway open. Uh, yeah. So that's a really good point. I didn't even think of that connection to progesterone. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. 
so so that's one great thing to to um to think about you know in terms of doing now is first of all to have the awareness right as as a, a new parent and if you are you know any kind of coach or something working with young women or women who may be of conceiving age build this awareness of this sort of thing that you know in pregnancy you can end up with a breathing related sleep problem that can have really big implications for your baby. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I, cause I, I think it's so under recognized in general. Um, you know, I know I never had a, a, a GYN uh, talk to me about any of this when I, you know, when I had my kids and that wasn't that long ago, you know what I mean? If you can just tell a little bit more about that, that just uh, that, sorry, that, that midway uh, ultrasound, that 20 week, I mean, my guess is that most uh, ultrasound, um, you know, technicians would probably not be as versed in this as we would like. So what what could a mom, a pregnant mom or pregnant couple really be uh, keying into? Where might they look to get more information about this kind of thing, to look at the positioning of the, the, the chin to see if their baby may need you know, some support in this area when, when the baby's actually born? There's a lot of um, airway aware, if you will, or airway health competent uh, general dentists, even prosthodontists uh, and some orthodontists uh, that might be able to not necessarily make the direct connection between risk to the fetus, but, you know, if, if there's sleep and breathing issues, uh, you know, with a mother who's pregnant, there absolutely is a risk to the fetus. Mm-hmm. So even if they're unaware that this would be an unintended benefit of, you know, maybe a boiling bite, which just helps the jaw come forward. Who knows? I mean, I, that's not my field, but what was that a boiling bite? A boiling bite. It's like a, a jaw advancer that, uh-huh. that they're, I don't know, maybe they're I wouldn't suggest buying them on the internet or at Amazon, but going to a dentist who that we have several very qualified people in, you know, Chicago, we're very lucky. And most, most major cities do have people that are very competent at this. Mm-hmm. And they might be the first, you know, the patient themselves by listening to this podcast might be the first to make their dentist aware that, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this, you know, what you're doing for me already, or what you've discussed with me already or what I want you to do for me, it could really help my child uh, in terms of the air that I deliver uh, while I'm sleeping. Yeah. I know one um, on the baby end of it, um, one, one thing I know of is the myo munchie, which is a chewing device that I have seen used with very, very young babies to give what we were talking, just like we were talking about before, give the workout to those those jaw muscles to help mm-hmm. develop that and, you know, potentially bring the jaw forward, but it is definitely something, you know, you want to be proactive about. And like you said, maybe just in, in listening to this podcast and opening eyes, that's when we start to look at things. I mean, in my book, it's written for parents too. And it really goes into what this is and how to look at a baby and say, gee, maybe this is, you know, a challenge because again, my goal is for us to, to get to the point of, of helping all these kids. So we just can put an end to SIDS because it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some, you know, I'm not, I shouldn't say sure. They might not be related to all cases, but if it, if there are enough of them that <clears throat> if we can figure it out, I mean, if we've all this time, we still don't know why this is happening. Uh, and there's all, all this, this, you know, this really compelling kind of 
research and clinical sort of observational things like maybe this is just we need to just step into this and, and really inform people so that they can have a better chance of keeping their their babies safe and everything like i would never say to somebody well dr boyd you know if if i breathe sleep and breathe better while i'm pregnant uh, am i going to decrease my risk of my baby you know dying from sids and I would know that. never say that. We don't know that. But yeah. but what I could say is um, of the all the benefits that we do know from optimal nutrition and activity and sleep and breathing during gestation, um, I would say it's reasonable to think that you would minimize the risk. But I again, I, I, I couldn't promise that your right. babies really need all the help that they can get. And the first step is always awareness. Right. And so. Yeah. Uh, just by talking about this and and sharing, you know what what some really innovative practitioners are doing and and seeing if we can get it out to the wider wider audience and take that first step to building awareness. That's how we begin to affect change. So, so I'm really glad you know we've had this conversation and kind of you know bring this um, bring this into the light more for the uh, the general public. So as we wind up, I, I always like to ask two questions of my guests. And the first one is, what would you put on a, a billboard uh, that you would want people to, uh, you know, recognize or appreciate? And of course, with a billboard, you know, it's relatively small and people go, relative, go by relatively fast. So, so what message would you put up there? I don't know, maybe um, old age begins at birth. Uh, <laughs> It's great. Get your kid to the dentist ASAP. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. We could play play with that. Yeah. But I love that because it's true. We don't, you know, we, we miss so many connections, but surely, you know, how you're going to be when you're old is a factor of your birth, or even as you were saying before your, your actual in utero sort of development too. I love it. I love it. Uh, Okay. And so then the last one, Kevin, where can people uh, connect with you? You could call my office, 312-988-9855. Call Orla or Lila uh, is our assistant office manager and uh, 312-988-9855. And I don't mind if you email me personally. It's um, K as in Kevin, B as in boy, O as in orange, 569 at gmail.com. So, and then, yeah, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. How's that? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all the time and and energy you bring into to all of this work. And especially, you know, the stuff of looking to see that really early kind of stuff that hopefully will get us eventually to a prevention uh, kind of um, mode of working. You know, it's great to help people when they're dealing with something. And if we can get to the point of actual prevention, that's the the creme de la creme. (laughs) See see how interested people listening to this might be interested in seeing five or 10 minutes of some really cool images of kids that we started treating, you know, at two, three, four years old and, you know, what they look like five mm-hmm. years later um, and comparing uh, a profile uh, in the womb on an ultrasound to a kid when he's three and how close they look. Yeah. Uh, it- and, and we could, get back on and maybe do a visual for your YouTube channel. Uh, that would be fantastic. We definitely would love that. Great. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate everything you do and you're and you're giving us your time today. All right. 
So go ahead and listen to episode 38 for part one of Dr. Kev's interview. And be sure to listen to episode 39 to hear from Dr. David Gazal. He tells how he first got interested in pediatric sleep. It's a very heartfelt story. And he tells how it propelled him to become the sleep medicine pioneer he is. And I'd like to say it again. My goal is to go beyond SIDS awareness and to get these cutting-edge practices into the hands of all young couples and parents. So please, help me with that goal. Share this episode far and wide with anyone who is having a baby or who plans to have a baby. I ask this in honor of baby Shay and all the babies who has, have left us too soon because of SIDS. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question, is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.